Mr. Woods, I just have, I just, I just ask you for one thing, man. One Talk thing. Just please beat Green Bay. Please, please. <laughs> That's all we ask for on this show. That's it. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for a show? Are you ready for a show? This is Bears Nation podcast presented to you by Chicago for Real. Myself, your host, Jake Hassan, as always, joined by Chris Nano and Kevin Lapka. And these boxes are not as they usually are, and it is really throwing me off. Chris is on my left. Kevin's below me. It's a whole thing. But we don't have to talk about that because it's not normal. Kevin, congrats on getting back to your seat. Was a little worried about you there for a second. Um, Bears Nation podcast, big show tonight. Big Big show tonight. We teased it on Twitter. We announced it on Twitter. And, you know, if if you know, you know. But if you don't, we'll tell you now. Big guest, our biggest guest, arguably, uh, to this date. Obviously, you know we've had some, some friends of the program here in the past. But tonight, joining Bears Nation podcast is the one, the only, the man, Adam Hoke. He'll be here in a few minutes to break down the Bears draft strategy, where everything stands. We'll talk a little bit with him about Cordell Patterson if we have time. Mm-hmm. Adam's going to be with us for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And then, you know, we'll get into our usual antics and stuff like that. We have to at least give the air of professionalism while Adam's here. We need to make a good first impression. And then once he's gone is when we'll do our normal uh, banter and be, you know, as we usually are. So, <laughs> couldn't think of a word there. But, gentlemen, how are we doing? How are we feeling tonight before we have uh, Adam Hogue join the program here? I'm excited, man. I think it's exciting. We all back up about this uh, to get Adam on here to talk some draft stuff. And we're getting closer. We're getting near to the date. More rumors are coming out. Obviously, we know about a certain coach of the Bears who may have attended a certain pro day. There's things to talk about. So, uh, even when there's not that much content, we'll, 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 we'll bring you guys energy and bring you guys entertainment. So, I'm really excited, man. Really excited to get going and get Adam in here. And I think Chris feels the same way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys know, you guys know what draft season means to me. So, um, we're, we're almost there and, and you, I, I love talking draft stuff. So, um, this is going to be fun. It's going to be real fun. All right. That being said, Adam Hogue is in the building. Let's bring him on the man, the King of bears media, Adam Hogue, a man I used to intern for is on the show. Probably don't even remember that, but we're here. Adam, welcome to the show. I remember that, Jake. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I don't know if I'm the king of anything, but uh, I appreciate the intro. Very nice of you. Of course, and you're wearing your new merch. Love that. Yeah, I had to rep a little bit, you know, jump on, uh, promo a little. These are our Hogan Johns t-shirts. Uh, this one specific. I don't know how many people remember this. This one this one we stretched a little bit on the t-shirt, but it's it's uh it's one of our first drops we ever had on our podcast because Harold Jones Corte, if you remember him, the safety that played way too much for too long for the Chicago Bears. Um he once just it, talking about getting ready for whatever game they were playing that week was like, we gotta come out hard and stay hard. And it just became uh it just became one of our our mottos on the podcast. So uh, you can get these shirts on obviousshirts.com if, if you'd like. There's a few of them, and uh, we appreciate the support because uh, I don't. We're gonna get a new. We're gonna get another charity coming up, but in uh, in February, March, some of the uh, some of the proceeds were going to the 22Q Family Foundation, and we're gonna start that up again. I think in in May, coming up here in about two weeks. Awesome, that's perfect. So go buy those shirts. Go support. All those charities, Adam, I appreciate you plugging that. Of course, that gets us some good karma then, too. That gets us on a good roll here. But 
Let's get into what the people are here for. The bear stuff. The draft is two weeks away now. And let's just start with the biggest thing. Are the 49ers really going to take Mac Jones at number three? Is that really happening? Yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time buying it. Uh, I keep hearing the smoke. I see the smoke. And I'm just, it doesn't add up to me. I don't know. And, and maybe my evaluation is just wrong. And they're really, really smart. And they're going to draft a guy that's going to be really, really good for a long time. I just, I just see a guy who's who's probably going to be a pretty decent starter. I, I, I like Mac Jones. I just, I, I don't know. Is he, is he that much better than Jimmy Garoppolo? You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I'm buying that. I'm not buying that the ceiling of Mac Jones is worth trading up three first round picks is, I mean, essentially what they gave up to move up from number 12. And, uh, I tend to think, that the move might actually be for Justin Fields. And the reason is, and I'd be fine if they went with Trey Lance too, um, because I, I I see both of those quarterbacks kind of neck and neck, and I like both of them. But I like Justin Fields more in a heavily schemed offense with defined reads because he's more of a methodical passer. When things break down and he has to improvise, he's extremely talented, don't get me wrong, but he's not as good. And so I love him in San Francisco, and I'm a huge believer in fit. And so if that's the move that they made, I think Justin Fields is going to be great there. I don't know that well, Justin Adam, Fields would be good like in Chicago, if, if, for for instance, you know, just for example. Would, would, would anybody? Is there, well, that, really and that's, sure a, anybody that's, a that's a fair question. I mean, I I think that because again, that's part of it. It's not just where a guy's getting drafted. It's where they're getting drafted to. It's the location they're going to, the system they're going into. Um, now, if you can find a talent, like I think Zach Wilson is, where play breaks down, he can imp- improvise, make things happen on his own. I, I mean, that's more of the offense the Bears, I think, and Matt Nagy would like to run, where it's more on the quarterback to just sort of go be a playmaker. And I don't, I, 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 that's why I just, I don't know that Justin Fields would have the same type of success in Chicago, but if he ends up in San Francisco, I think it's a great fit. Well, let's address the elephant in the room. Obviously the viral photo that was tweeted out by Ohio state football today. I don't know if Justin EP in the back can bring it up, but Matt Nagy was there today. And you know, that's significant because we've heard the rumblings about the Falcons trading at four. There he is in his nice Nike hoodie. And this was a surprise because I believe we had reports earlier on the day that only about six representatives from teams were there. And the bears were not on that list from that report earlier in the day. So that photo was a little bit of a shock to some people. Um, But you know, again, you know, the 49ers have the power there at three, but what is the likelihood if they do decide to go the Mac Jones route or they do decide to pull a trigger on Trey Lance, where are you at with the Bears moving up to number four? I and mean, we know that's a ginormous haul. You're giving up a lot. But if we think a player like Justin Fields is worth it, is that something you think they're considering uh, and something that they maybe should do if it becomes available to them at four? Look, I, I don't I don't understand why anybody would rule that out. I, I feel like for some reason they people are just – settling on the fact that the bears just can't move up and they're going to have to come out with some way to get a secondary quarterback or something. I mean, there's so many reasons why they would make a big move and there's so much evidence too. It's not just like the reasoning. It's the fact that they've done it. 
It's the fact that Ryan Pace has a track record for making big, bold moves. It's not just the the trade up one spot in 2017 to get Mitch. It's the, the Khalil Mack trade. And it's like, once they have you thinking they're not going to make a big move, that's exactly where they want you to, to be. Um, so there's, that's just the historical evidence behind it. But also, and I'll give you another one, the Russell Wilson trade. I mean, from, from everything I've heard and been told, they were all in on him. I mean, that's real. That that was 100% real. And they cannot control if the other team just won't pull the trigger on the trade. And that's at the end of the day, that's what happened. But they were willing to give up a ton for Russell Wilson. Now, is a rookie quarterback who's definitely not a guarantee like Russell Wilson worth the same amount? I guess it depends on how much you love the guy. And that's the thing we don't know. I mean, who... Who's the guy that they've fallen in love with here? And can they access that player at number four? Um, I'll tell you what. I mean, if that guy is Trey Lance, I would t- I would take a chance. And I actually think, and I wrote a column on this after the Andy Dalton signing was made. Like, I think that's what's in play here. Is, is that they're, the 2017 Kansas City Chiefs is kind of the playbook of what I think Matt Nagy wants to do here. That was the year they drafted Patrick Mahomes. They sat Patrick Mahomes and they had him develop behind Alex Smith. And Andy Dalton might not wow anyone, but there's it's a fair comparison to that situation if they can actually create that situation. So this is a long answer in a way of saying that um, I don't know if the Bears will trade up. Would not surprise me at all. I will not be the guy saying, wow, that, that I can't believe that happened if it does on draft night. I just um I just had a quick question for you. What what do you think it would take for the Bears to move up from 20 to let's say number 4? Well, a lot because the 49ers already kind of set that market, right? Um yeah. Moving moving up. Now, you could say the fourth pick isn't as val- valuable as a third pick uh because, you know, is there is there a drop off between whoever they're targeting at number 3 and number 4? I mean, to me, I like I definitely like the, the top four quarterbacks, but to me, there's a big difference between Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I think both can be good, but it's important that they both end up in the right situation. And both could end up being busts if they don't. Um, specifically, Trey Lance. I love everything about Trey's game. I, I, I've watched so much tape on him. He's been on my radar uh, going back to last season because... You know, anytime a guy can throw, um, was it his thirty? His touchdown to interception ratio is thirty to one, mm-hmm. and he went the entire last season, which was his one full season of being a starter, uh, national championship where they he didn't throw a single interception the whole season. I mean, I don't, if if you can't if that guy doesn't get on your radar doing that, then then you're just not paying attention. And so, um. I like Trey a lot, but he's raw. He has not played football basically in two years. This one game, and it wasn't a great game against Central Arkansas this year. So if that's the guy, I am going to be adamant that he needs to sit. Like they cannot, they cannot rush him. On the flip side, the only way to get experience is by playing. So eventually, I don't know if it's gonna have to take the whole I'm not saying sit him the whole year, but Eventually, he's going to have to get out there and play, or he's never going to get the experience he needs. And that's going to be a tough balance and figuring that. So, again, I don't know if the Bears can develop a quarterback like that. 
but they better try. I mean, I'm not going to fault them for trying. And the one difference here this time around would be that Matt Nagy's in the building. How much credit you want to give him for working with Patrick Mahomes, that's up to you. But he was that guy working with Patrick Mahomes in 2017, and that's why I think that's sort of what the playbook would be here if they can get one of those top guys. Adam, I've said on this show previously that I also think that the Bears, the situation and the job security or lack thereof for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are also going to be a factor in how aggressive they are. So that being said, where's the cutoff for, let's say, a guy like Lance is starting to slip? Where do you say, okay, we got to move up? Is it four? Is it eight? Is it lower? At what point are you willing to let him fall before you say, and and it doesn't have to be Trey Lance, even if it's Justin Fields, let's say. At what point do you say, all right, we got to make the move to go get this because he's in a reasonable spot now at eight or 10 or wherever it may be where we can go get him? Yeah, I mean, I I think it it just depends on the... um basically what how you value each one of these guys i mean so i guess i can't answer it for them because i don't know how they value these guys but i guess for me let me put it this way um i would go up to number four for trey lance wow i you know whatever that cost is i i i would do it because i just i still believe that this franchise just is going to be spinning its wheels until they get a quarterback it's just the the reality and they're going to keep wasting years like they've had with this defense until they get that guy. So I still think you got to do everything you can to get that guy, even if it's not a guarantee. Now, Mac Jones, I don't have as high of a grade on. Um, I would say maybe if, let me put it this way. I don't know that I would personally trade up into like that somewhere in the early teens for Mac Jones. Cause I have more of a late first round, early second round grade on him, but I wouldn't fault the bears for doing it if they believed in him, you know, like, and that's the same argument I made with the Mitch move in 2017. I had more of a mid first round grade on, on Mitch. But if that's the guy that you have conviction on, then they've done way more homework on this than I have. And you just don't want to lose that guy. Then I'm not going to fall. Then then I'm going to say, Hey, the reasoning at least is sound. The evaluation better be right. And it turned out in Mitch's case that it wasn't. Um, but so for Mac Jones, I wouldn't trade. Justin Fields is tricky for me. I still feel like I need to, and and I've been I've been very honest about this the whole time with Justin Fields. I I can't get that Big Ten championship game out of my head against Northwestern because I was standing there on the sidelines and he just looked awful that day. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch the Clemson game live because we were on a plane coming home from Northwestern's bowl game. I've seen all the highlights, obviously, and seen how awesome he was that day. It's hard for me to come out. This is this is a really tough thing for me to say because no one's going to believe it when if I were to say that Northwestern's defense is harder to play against from a processing standpoint than Clemson's because obviously Clemson has more talent. That's not at all the case. They're going to call have, you a homer, Adam. They're going to call you a homer. Right, but you have to understand the way Northwestern plays defense and the coaching that they have and Mike Hankwitz that was one of the most difficult secondaries to play against. And oh, by the way, there is a first round draft pick coming out of there in Greg Newsom. So it's, it's, that's um, your guy. There, there still is talent there. But what I'm saying is just from a quarterback standpoint and processing, that was a huge challenge for Justin Fields and he, and he failed at it, uh, at least that day. But then he comes back against a very talented Clemson team and looks awesome. So I'm still struggling with him. 
I don't quite have the same conviction on him as I do Trey Lance at this point. Um, but I also understand that Lance is a, is a leap because he's an unprecedented evaluation. When you when you want to fill out that box for who he compares to, there's no comparison. There's never been a quarterback evaluation like Trey Lance. It seems to me, look, I, you know, I, I've said in this show before, I went to four Ohio State games this year. I was at the national championship. I've seen Justin Fields play live multiple times, front row seat, you know, first row ticket, watching him and evaluating him. And it, every time it's blown me away. Are we at the point? Because it seems like this is the case for me. Draft season, this analysis, it, it, it's, a, it's a long period between the Super Bowl and the draft. And I feel like naturally every single year we tend to overanalyze these things and overevaluate and think too much. And the Justin Fields situation seems to fit that mold perfectly. I mean, we I, I don't think we have to think too much about it. You look at the talent of the defenses that he played. Yes, you know, the Northwestern example is a great example. But, again, we've seen him do it against other defenses like Clemson. He had a fine game against Alabama. The Ohio State defense couldn't hold up, which resulted in the loss. But he had a fine game. Um, are we overthinking this? Are teams overthinking this whole Justin Fields situation? I mean, the fact that – a guy like Mac Jones above him seems to me like the perfect example of, you know, classic overthinking and overevaluating. Well, that's why I, I don't think San Francisco is, or at least I guess I want to hope that San Francisco is not overthinking this. I, 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 I logically, I try to put these things together and that's why I think that that would make more sense that he's their guy than Mac Jones. So what, at the end of the day, that's what ultimately matters is what the team does that drafts them. Um, and not really what everyone like me is saying at this point, but it's a fair point. And I have, I have reminded myself multiple times about Justin Herbert last year, mm-hmm. because every time I looked at Justin Herbert, I was always like, there's something missing here. Like he is a prototypical quarterback. Why does he not just dominate? Right. And then he had a really good Rose bowl against Wisconsin. And, I thought that, um, like, I liked that. I, I, I liked what I saw there. There was a lot of good, but but then you had the this long period between that last game, that Rose Bowl, and when the draft happened, and I'll admit, I kind of talked myself out of him a little bit, and at the end of the day, um, he was great this year. And so I have actually thought about Justin Herbert, and he's in my notes, in my, um, in my Justin Fields notes. I have... Justin Herbert's name in there as a like, let's not overthink this. And that's why I think it goes back to, to fit. He to me is a great fit for San Francisco at number three and is deserving. So it's not like I don't like him at all. It's something about that situation. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I just, that, that, that's I don't know that he'd be successful in Chicago, but I don't I guess I don't know that, that, Lance would be successful in Chicago. I don't, I don't know that any of these quarterbacks would be successful in Chicago. Comforting. Very yeah. comforting. <laughs> well, if I know you're right. You're years right. Tax that up. You're right. That, that's what we call the Matt Nagy effect at this point. <laughs> no, it's not Matt Nagy. It's the whole franchise. People got to stop zeroing Fair. in on Fair. Matt Nagy. Fair. This starts at the top. This is a whole franchise problem. You, Matt Nagy's been here for three years. You cannot blame a systematic failure at the most important position in sports on a guy who's only been here for three years. In fact, especially when he wasn't here to draft the last guy. Okay, so is, is your thing Ted Phillips then? Is that is that start with him? Once he's gone, that's when it changes, or does it have to? It does it go into ownership as well? I, both, 
both. I mean, it, it, look, here's the thing. I am not convinced that um, I still think there's a chance, and I probably am in the extreme minority here, that, that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy can get it right this time. And I again, I go back to the whole Matt Nagy thing in his evaluation of Mahomes, the work he did with Mahomes. Again, if you want to not give him credit for that, if you want to give him credit for that, whatever, that's fine. But it, there is a there is at least like a glimpse and some evidence there that with him in the equation this time, they can get it right. And you're allowed to learn from your past mistakes. So Ryan Pace is allowed to learn from his past mistakes. And there, it's been well documented documented the mistakes that were made in that draft evaluation and probably being too coy and overthinking the paranoia of trying to throw teams off. This year, they've been around. This Why do you see the photo of Nagy today at Ohio State? Like, there's they're, they're doing their work. They're not trying to play games. And uh, the problem is they're picking number 20, not number three. And so I don't know how they ultimately get up there to get that guy. But I do think the fact that they're still showing up at these pro days, it shows you that they uh, are doing the work and are still in play for one of these guys. I would not dismiss the bears ending up with one of these top four players. Well, um, I just wanted to, to switch gears really quick. I saw your mock earlier with Greg Newsome. Um, bears drafting Greg Newsome at 20. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about him, what you like about him? Yeah, so first of all, also with these mocks, I always do four, and it would be completely redundant and boring to just approach it the same way every time. So I do not necessarily think the Bears are going to draft a uh, defensive player. Probably don't even think they should. But depending on how things play out, if they go that route, I think there is a defense for going that route, depending on how the first 19 picks go and if they do, do not trade up. And so who would be that defensive player that I would draft if they go that route? So that's kind of what I was trying to simulate in the last mock draft. Um, that guy's Greg Newsom to me. And it's a lot of it is that I've seen him. Like, here, here's the thing. I get labeled when I pick Wisconsin guys in these, in these uh, mock drafts because I went to Wisconsin or if I pick Northwestern guys. But the thing is, is I've never put a Wisconsin or Northwestern player in one of those mock drafts that – is not actually a good player. Like I only put the ones in there that I know are good. Okay. Um, one of those guys, by the way, who I knew was going to be good is Russell Wilson. So (laughs) like when I look at Greg Newsome, there was something that really clicked this year. We knew he was talented, but you saw it on tape. And I would encourage you to watch the Purdue tape when he went up against bell, that awesome receiver that Purdue has. Um, he just showed he's a lockdown shutdown press man, long corner in that game. He can move around. He's not limited to one side. Um, he's twitchy. He's fast. If there was any question about how fast he was, he answered those questions at his pro day. So with the void being created uh, with Kyle Fuller not being here anymore, I think that not only is Greg Newsom a really good player, I, I think he f- fits what Sean Desai wants to do defensively too. Um, and so that's, why if they're if they are going to go defense, which I don't necessarily think they will, that's somebody who I'm very confident is going to be a good player at the next level. 
you mentioned, you know, staying at number 20. I mean, there's possibilities they move up, but I think Chris and I and Jake, we've all talked about the fact that this is a loaded draft class talent wise outside of the, I mean, the quarterback position is loaded, but other positions yeah. as well that you may not need to move up and you could have a very, very good player fall to you at 20. And I'm, I'm under the assumption, at least in my mocks coming up when we do it, I, I want them to take a wide receiver. That's, that's where I'm at. Um, and I think you're seeing a situation right now where, you're looking at a Justin Jefferson type situation where guys like Rashad Bateman and Kadarius Tony are gaining a lot of steam and getting a lot of noise and people like their projections on pro day, you know, and next gen stats is posting their athleticism scores as 99 overalls on Twitter. People are eating them up while one guy to me and a few guys actually are going under the radar. That's Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Do you think a guy like that could be, you know, you, you, you know, you see the Jalen Rieger, Justin Jefferson situation from last year. Could, you know, Rashad Baby and Devontae Smith, could we be seeing a repeat of that situation? And could Smith or Water, one of those guys, fall to them at 20? I don't know if they would fall all the way to 20, but this is a scenario I have talked about and and even written about, I know, at least at one point. Um, if Devonta Smith, we're, we keep talking about trading up for a quarterback, but let's not forget that Ryan Pace has traded up for other positions before. Mm -hmm. He likes to trade up. Uh, and if jo Devonta Smith were to fall somewhere into the teens, boy, I would not, I would support that. I don't know what that cost would be. It would be a lot less than to move up, obviously, and, you know, into the top 10 for a quarterback. Um, so you'd be getting a guy a lot less than that. And I think just a dude talk about overthinking things that dude just open all the time. Devonta Smith. I mean, I don't, if somebody wants, and I like Waddle too, but somebody wants to draft Waddle first just because of his athleticism and speed and all that, okay, I'm going to take the guy that's always open. He just is a wide receiver. Sometimes we get so caught up in in speed and, and just being dynamic athletes, and we, got, we forget that these guys are playing not only a specific game in football, like you have to be a football player, can't just be a track athlete, uh, but they're playing a specific position, too. So can you play that position well? There's more that goes into it, and you have to be crafty. And Devonta Smith is that. I love him. I think if they bear straight it up for him, that'd be a great move. I will tell you one thing about Tony, because I've seen him in a lot of mocks for the Bears. Mm -hmm. I don't love the inconsistency, and I don't love, if you go back into his history a little bit, there's some off-the-field stuff early on in his Florida career. I wonder why he's not better with everything he has, his toolbox. He's he's extremely talented. Why is he not more consistent? Does he love football enough? That's a question that GMs, these talent, talent evaluators, are always asking. And in the media, we don't get to be as close to these guys and, and grill them uh, the same way the, uh, the evaluators do. And this year, it's been tough for them, too. I just I don't see Tony as a guy the Bears would draft with their draft history and what they value. Uh, you've heard Ryan Pace talk about this Bears box thing that they they have the label guys as a Bears box because they hit every single one of their uh, things that they look for. And I just I don't know this for a fact. So it, I, maybe Tony is a Bears box guy. That would surprise me though if he is. So I'm not. I, I'd be surprised if that's the guy they pick. All right, Adam, thank you for the time. We appreciate you sitting down with us. Adam Hogue, everybody, NBC Sports Chicago, Hogue and John's podcast. Adam, if you're ever in the office, maybe I'll see you. I don't know. I'm there a lot. Not really. <laughs> I work with Hockberg. I'm there like one day a week. But Adam, always I'm never there. 
Yeah, you're never there. You never really <laughs> were. Fine. Um, we miss you. But thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time talking with us and giving our, our dumb little show here a little life, man. Uh, it's not dumb. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, th- thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Take care. All right. Well, that was a big moment for, uh, you know, I'm just, what a guy. What a guy. That was, that, what a guy. But uh, what we take away from that, I mean, something I want to circle to immediately is the Adam Hogue defense for Matt Nagy, president of the Matt Nagy fan club. That might be a oh. little unfair, but. but yeah, a little bit unfair. Uh, That's a stretch. That's no, a reach, that, but... that might have been a stretch. But, I mean, the thing he said about that is is something that we mentioned on the show before, is that it is just a fundamental at-the-roots issue yeah with this team um, that has gone from the top. I mean, I think that's a fair criticism to say that Matt Nagy isn't the end all be all of this organization. Yeah, no, I mean, hundred percent. Like we, we've kind of hit on that, you know, ever since this podcast has been the thing we've talked about how the problems have started at the top. So, you know, even though I am not in full agreement that, that, you know, Nagy is the guy, I, I do think, you know, he did bring up some very valid points. He did. He did. You know, it does start at the top and that's a phrase we've heard for a long time. And, and it's, I don't know. I, I still can't trust him. I'm not at the point where I can trust him and I'm not at the point where I can, you know, fully get, get through my head that he can make things work. I mean, I think it's possible. Um, but again, I think if it is made possible, it's not because of him. And I think that's something that very something I have to deal with. And I think, I just think that's the way it's going to be forever. I mean, I think for as long as he's here, I think the success will come from the, the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, he's he's not he's not going to do anything where he's the reason that they're winning football games. And that that's things we've said in the past. And that's the whole I'll die on. I mean, he is. Look, and I don't want to sit here and be the guy who says people can't change. And because I've always been advocate for like players can change. You know, a player needs to change as soon as they can change. A player hasn't been good. They can change for the better. They can also change for the worse. It goes both ways. They can change for the better and the worse. But um, there's there's a chance something clicks from this offseason. He gets, you know, maybe maybe the whole Mitch thing was real. And he just was so out on him forever that he just didn't want to put his full maximum effort. If that's the case, like, screw you, dude. But if that's the reality of it and now he can work with Dalton, I don't know. I'm just, you know, throwing out thoughts here. But it was interesting that he said that because, you know, at, at this point, that's the unpopular take. I mean, a majority of the fan base, yeah. what, what do you say, 80-20 at least mm-hmm. is on is on the side that Matt Nagy's the issue. So that, that was an interesting take there from one of the top guys in, in Bears media who's who's in on these things. Well, it makes sense, too, because, I mean, Matt Nagy is the face of everything that has happened, too. So, of course, when he's the, you know, the point right. guy, you know, he's the leader, he's at the forefront of all of this, then it kind of makes sense that the fans want his head. I, I mean, what also stood out to me from our conversation with Adam just now is that trading <laughs> trading up to number four is not as out of the question as a lot of us thought. And that's yeah. something we talked about last week. You know, I mean, last week I was here saying that, okay, you can maybe think about it when you get to eight or nine or 10. I mean, Hogue's saying if they trade up to four, don't be surprised. I, that's, I'm surprised. I'll yeah, say it. I mean, I'm surprised. I, like, I don't think I would have been too, like, even if he never told us that, I don't think I would have been. If, too if they, let, let me rephrase that. If they trade up to four for Trey Lance, I would have been surprised. I will be oh, surprised. Yes. So, like, that, that is okay. surprising that, yeah. that, and, and I know Trey Lance, everything Adam said is completely valid. He's got the tools. He had that 30 to one, that crazy ratio, touchdown interception ratio. That all completely makes sense. I would just, it, it's a, it's surprising to me that someone as plugged in as Adam Hogue is saying, 
don't be surprised if they trade up to four for Trey Lance. That's surprising to me. Yeah. But yeah. now I'm kind of expecting it. Now Adam Hogue tells me to expect something. Now I'm going to expect it. <laughs> oh, God. God. No, I mean, like, I don't know. I, he's right. He's right on Trey Lance. I, I think, um, you know, he, he once like the main thing about Trey Lance is that rocket arm, man. H- have you guys like had a chance to watch him play at all? Like his mm-hmm. arm is ridiculous. Well, like you said, it, it's been hard to over the last two years. Fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, the, the tape that he does have, yeah. he, he has a rocket arm. Like it, it's, I mean, it, it's insane. It's insane. I, I think he has the tools. Um, but I'm in full agreement with him on, on the fact that, especially with quarterbacks, like so much of this just depends on on where you end up. Like it, it's really just that simple. Um, certain coaches are, are going to get the best out of certain players, and that's just how it works. But um, you know, I now that he brought, like I didn't even put the Bears and Trey Lance, you know, together at all. I didn't even try to piece that puzzle because I just, I don't know, it, it just didn't seem realistic. But I mean, it does kind of make sense. It, uh, it it makes sense, I guess it it does. But also, I'm I'm at the point with him where, in my evaluation of it, and Adam hinted at this as, as one of his big time worries is like you do have a season of sample size, and as Bears fans, we should know about quarterbacks with this with one season sample size. You know, I mean that's Mitch Trubisky's tale, isn't it? I mean the guy only played one season as a starter, and you know you saw you liked what you saw, right? But one of the biggest tools of evaluation that you know I do at the collegiate level and the professional level is consistency. And that's really, really important. And that was the word he used when talking about Kadarius uh Kadarius because he wasn't really consistent. I don't I mean we don't we don't know. We don't know if uh Trey Lance is consistent. He had the one season in 2019 where he threw for 2786 yards, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 66 completion percentage. Great. Played one game in 2020. Obviously it's not his fault, but that it worries me. That's scary. And that that leads me to believe that this is a risky pick. This Trey Lance would be a risky pick. Is it a pick with upside? Yes, but is it risky? Yes. A- anything you do is going to be risky, though. And once he's the same well, size, no, he no, 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 Compare, no, 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 no. Incorrect. Incorrect. Compared to Justin Fields, Justin Fields is not risky. Justin Fields is not risky. When you I, at least, at least at the very moment with your evaluation of him, this is a guy who's played against the top defenses in the country, has been successful against the top defenses in the country, and has done it for multiple years. And then you go on a guy against a guy who's in the FCS, and then a guy who's played one year. The risk level is it's 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 a complete but, opposite but sides I'm, of the I'm spectrum saying, for those. But two. I'm, I'm saying there's some degree of risk to every single player you take. There's this, always going to be that yes. inherent risk. But well, also, Jake, moving up to four. It. Right, no, that's what I'm saying. There's going to be risk there, but I think if you move up to four for anyone, if you're in the Bears situation, there's going to be risk because if you get it wrong, regardless of who it is, if you move up to four and say Kyle Pitts, if you get that wrong, curtains. Like, you know, it's if you're moving up that far, there the risk is the same across the board because you have to nail that pick. For the risk is the same. I am hundred percent with with Jake here. I'm hundred percent with Jake here. That was exactly what I was gonna say. He just took the words out of my mouth. So that's exactly why I think it's it's risky as well. If you move up, I mean, twenty to four, like right, that's a huge jump. It's also the thing, and well, the thing with that's so tantalizing with Lance is it's not just that he's playing well against lesser competition. It's that he's putting up crazy. I mean that that touchdown to interception ratio is something that you don't you see once like. You know, and I know you shouldn't go off just that, obviously. Like that that's something, but that's the reason why it becomes so tantalizing is because of big numbers like that. 
Um, and like Hoke said, it depends on your evaluation. The Bears, we don't know how they're evaluating these guys. We don't know who's in the Bears box, who is not. So I I don't know. Well, a Game of Thrones reference right in my wheelhouse. I'd love to see it. Um, I, I am surprised Hoke didn't mention an offensive lineman when he was talking about uh, if they stayed at 20. That was a little surprising to me. Yeah. And like, go ahead, Chris. Me, sorry, Kevin. Um, my, me personally, like, I. I've just been kind of thinking about it, and there is a chance my mind changes. You guys know how how much my mind changes when it comes to this stuff. But I uh, no, no, that doesn't sound like you. That the, doesn't sound the, right. The more I think about it, the more I just think an offensive lineman makes the most sense at twenty. Obviously, depending on who's there, but mm-hmm. um, like I, I just think the best order, like an ideal order based on talent, based on where we think everything, everything's like how the dominoes are going to fall. This and that is offensive tackle corner and then you go wide receiver in the third because there is still a chance you maybe get a first round talent at wide receiver because we talk about how deep this draft is and i genuinely Mm -hmm. think you can get a first round talent um at wide receiver in the third round so like for me ot cb wr that that's kind of how how i that's my ideal like order Interesting. You know, I the, the question that I was going to ask Adam is what right now is the most obvious pick? You know, there's always there's always the obvious pick for teams. And I feel like for them, the obvious pick, or at least the most common that I've seen a lot of mocks is Tevin Jenkins out of yeah. Oklahoma State. Yeah. That I would say that's the most obvious. And it's funny. The reason why I bring this up is because Ryan Pace never does the obvious. He, well, he always, wait, 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 let, you know, let me ask you, is it the most obvious or is it the one we're most consistently seeing? You know, is that the most common? I think it's both. It's definitely the most common, but it also is the most obvious. Like you could argue that that's, I I don't know if it's the most glaring hole, but it's it's probably the most logical, right? It's the most logical. Let's put it that way. I was going to say, because most glaring hole is quarterback. I would definitely say outside of a quarterback, it would be um, offensive tackle. And and real quick, Nico Savage um, just brought up the guy I was going to talk about, Christian Derrissaw at if he falls to yeah. 20, I think yeah. you have to. That guy is mean. He is yeah. mean. Like, I, I, I'm a huge believer in Christian Derrissaw. If he falls mm-hmm. to 20, that, that's my guy, 100%. But, I, but okay. I do want to get on Tevin Jenkins really quick. I do think he's yeah. also really good. And he kind of does have similar traits to Derrissaw, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So I'd be cool with either of those guys, but Derisaw, between those guys, Derisaw is my guy. But like the comment said, if by some miracle, like that, it's going to take, I feel like, a, a lot for one of those guys to fall all the way to 20. Like that would, yeah, that would take a minor miracle. I would, I mean, do you guys think corner, like outside corner is up there as yeah. far as? Like, I, I love his no, no. pick. For, as far as need? No. As far, like if, if Ooh, you're not going to take oh. quarterback. As far as me, I'm, yes. But guys, here's the problem. Yeah, no, here's no. The thing. I'm, I'm saying here's, it's what we were just talking about. Yeah. Don't you, don't you sure. boo me? Don't you boo me without I'm, hearing I'm not my booing logic. you. I'm, boo- I'm booing the ideology because mm-hmm. I'm booing the ideology because you just got rid of a guy. Yes, I know you had to get rid of cap space. Okay, I understand that. You just got rid of an all-pro talent, and you're and you're and you're drafting a cornerback in the first round, like. Okay, you could have just kept Kyle Fuller around and then drafted another. Like, what are we doing? You're you're just you're just reloading, and you're wait. I'm not saying you're wasting a first round pick, but you're, you're kind of doing it. You're kind of doing it. So I, I'm all out on cornerbacks in the first round. Go get a guy in the second round. Apparently, Ryan Pace knows how to evaluate in the second round for cornerbacks. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 is my only thing with with cornerback. I absolutely hate the the ideology of like 
cutting a guy than than your first pick in the draft is drafting his replacement. It, it just doesn't like it. Kind of did it last year. Exactly. Yeah. And I was just gonna say when when teams do that for some reason, I always link it to like. I don't want to say football hell isn't the right word, but just a team that's kind of scrambling, mm-hmm. like kind of just like, oh, crap, like we got to, you know, plug this up, you know, mm-hmm. and and that. So I don't know. I I don't I don't really like Greg Newsom is a great player and I wouldn't be you know upset at all. But it's like I just think there's potential for more, if that makes sense. So. No, it, it, there is. But. If Sean Desai comes up to you and you're at 20, you're on the clock at 20 and Desai comes up to you and says, take him, like, take this guy and we are back to 2018. You well, got to do that. Right. I mean, I, who, tell me who's up. Tell me who's available. Who's available. Is there a song? If, 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 if Newsom's available, if, if Newsom's available and Desai says, this and is it, the guy. No, no. I don't Guys. know. I don't know. I, I like to me, it would just depend on who's available. That that's what it would come down to. To me, that's always like outside of cornerback. Like you're talking about the positions, like who's available yeah. at wide receiver. Okay. Attack. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I that, see what yeah. you mean. Yeah. So that's like, why it's I, yeah. This is hard, and that's why this is hard. And I think that's why mocks this year are going to be really, really tough because it's a loaded draft and there's talent, mm. and you may be thrust in a situation where you have Tevin Jenkins, Rashad Bateman, and Newsom right there, and you're like, who, yeah. who do I take? Who like you know what do we do? You know what I mean? And it's like it's a it's a win win situation regardless. Like you're gonna get a talented player. It's just like position of need, best player available, yeah. the age old question. Um, and I I don't know. I, I I would love to believe. I would I would probably say that Ryan Pace likes the best player available. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of I don't know. That that's kind of my whole. That's what I've been trying to wonder. Um, when I've been thinking, every time I see an offensive tackle, I'm like, is that something I could see Ryan Page doing? Like drafting mm-hmm. Tevin Jenkins at, tw- at 20. And the more mm-hmm. I thought about it, I was like, that I could, that's definitely something I could see them doing. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I definitely think he goes by, by best player available. Um, so I mean, if Tevin Jenkins, you know, if Tevin Jenkins is there with, mm-hmm. with Newsom, I think, I think you go Jenkins just because, you know, yeah. In my opinion, he's the best player available there. And then, you know, the position is not easy to fill either. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just – Bateman – Bateman's a great player. I, I, I love Rashad Bateman. I've been, you know, talking about Rashad Bateman since his freshman year. Um, but mm-hmm. it's just there's so many wide receivers. There's so many wide receivers. So, what do you guys think? In this question, I'd go Jenkins. Yeah, I think you. If it, I think if Jenkins is available, you're running. You are sprinting to the podium if Jenkins is available because then you have your immediate right tackle for the next ten years, and then you only really have one hole on the offensive line. And I believe that Charles Leno is young enough where if he's the one guy you need to protect or the one guy you need to work around, you're fine with that. If you if you're running out with with Sam Mustafer, Cody White here, you're getting James Daniels back, and you add. Jenkins to that, I think you're perfectly fine with that. I, I don't think that's an issue at all. Yeah, I you're sprinting. I mean, you're you're setting records for as fast as you're putting that pick. <laughs> and, and Bubba says, guys, we have Andy Dalton at QB. If we don't protect him for five seconds every play, we win four games. And I, you know, I don't, I I, I wouldn't really want to say that. I mean, he's right to the fact that yeah, if you don't protect him, but I have faith that this offensive line can protect them. I don't know why I do, but you look at the past few Because games of how they played last year. 
exactly, exactly. The last few games they played exceptional. I mean, I, I maybe and without and without probably your best exactly. offensive lineman. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, you know, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I think we're kind of hung up off the the early parts of 2020 to think that offensive line is the most glaring issue. Um, yeah. But really, really, as, I think people are hung up on that. But I really don't think that that's one of the bigger position of needs, especially like, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen to Allen Robinson, you know, in the, no one freaking knows, man. I have no idea, you know, but assume, assume, assume that, assume Allen Robinson's going through the franchise tag this year, he finds it's a place to play and they don't do anything wide receiver. And it's not a lucrative wide receiver free agent class next year. Like, although Mooney may develop and he likely will, and will you know, I hope take a second year leap. That that is a very barren wide receiver room to begin with, I would say, especially when you think about trading Anthony Miller. Um, it gets more barren if you lose Allen Robinson. I think wide receiver is huge, 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 and I think I, that that I'm I'm honing in on it. I, you, our mock drafts are coming out either next week or in two weeks. I don't know if we decided that. I well, completely next, honing I, in on wide receiver next week. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Next week. Actually, that I don't know. That's an that's an internal discussion, I guess. Uh, <laughs> nobody nobody cares how we decide when we do that. But no, I mean, yeah, I think like you said, we're hung up on this offensive line. You got to take, you know, the good with the bad, and it's just that that combination. Once you found it at the end of the year, that it, it clicked, and now you get Daniels back, who mm-hmm. looked like he was in phenomenal shape, like when he came into training camp, and he was shredded. Um, so yeah, I, I think your offensive line, like, it, it's hard to fake that it's hard to fake how well they played at the end there um as far from an offensive line standpoint like like if you're an offensive lineman you're pancaking people every every other play like it's hard to fake that that it, no matter who you are you're pancaking another 300 pound man on the opposite side of you that's hard to do so uh, i you know it, it's hard to kind of make that seem like it's just a what a flash in the pan i i think that they're perfectly fine especially considering who your offensive line coach is and now you get Daniels back. I think, I think we're about to see a really big jump from David Montgomery, which will be nice because especially now David Montgomery is going to be getting a, a even bigger share of the carries because your third down back is gone, boys. Your third down back, Cordero Patterson is out the door. I know that was kind of a joke, but unfortunately also wasn't because he kind of actually was your third round back at times, which was mm. our third down back. Um, your third and short, your third and one <laughs> bruiser. Um, this one hurts. This one hurts because he clearly wanted to be back. Cordell Patterson very, very clearly wanted to be in Chicago. He tried to hold out as a, he held out for a long time, uh, changing his profile picture on Twitter, changing his bio. He was recruiting guys still, even though he was technically a free agent. He held, I mean, free agency started what a month ago. Yeah. And, he, and he was still tweeting positive things about the Bears, interacting with players, so on and so forth. And then today he tweets that, you know, Chicago, it's been real, or, you know, I, I forget the exact wording, but essentially a goodbye tweet to the Bears. Uh, it hurts. It, obviously, it's always painful to lose a top-tier just playmaker like that. I mean, to, the, the, the return game is going to suffer. You, yeah, you get Tariq Cohen back. I don't know how much they're going to use him in the return game they never used to my kickoffs though punt return maybe you're gonna find some combination i guess but that hurts you're, you're a worse team now you you have become a worse team by letting cordero patterson walk i mean could you argue like that he was one of our best overall players last year it's one of two um, all pros yeah right, I, yeah yeah or, like i mean the, like i just want to 
So anytime the Bears were losing in a game last season, before, like, you know, let's say a team took the lead and, you know, they're up on the Bears by, let's say, 10, 14. You know, we all have that sense at that time that the Bears are losing that game. But there was one reason that, like, I was just like, okay, if Cordero can just take this back to the house, yeah. we have a chance. We have the Vikings chance. game. I mean, yeah. you went on to lose that game, but that Vikings game what, to open the second 100%. half. 100%. And that's exactly what I was talking about. Like, having that threat is so important, and I don't think people realize how important that is because we're just so zeroed in on offense, defense. But, man, like – Having Cordero was a blessing, like truly. And sure. and like Jake just said, I mean, like I do genuinely think you are a worse football team without him. Um, but then again, like you can't get too mad because, I mean, it, it kind of felt like it was always going to happen. Um, like sure. I feel like we, we had this idea idea that it was going to happen for a while. So it sucks, man. It, I, I love Cordero. I wanted him to retire as a Bear. I tweeted that out <laughs> multiple times. Um, but – you know, it it sucks. It's gonna suck watching him. I think it was the Falcons that he was close to signing a deal with. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's gonna suck watching him ball out with Atlanta. But you know, wish him the best of luck. Yeah, it's, what's up with Bears returners going to Atlanta? Real quick. Yeah, Hester did yeah. it too. <laughs> a legacy. There's a legacy to follow. Apparently, no. And also, just to Chris's point of because of having that threat. I mean, even the the last Packers game. You know, you don't have the you don't have teams kicking around him like in that game either. You don't have teams actively avoiding that threat because they want to try and and then even the way he played, you know, in that Packers game specifically, the way he played that kick um helped you. So yeah, I mean, your worst team, I have no idea how they're going to address it. Maybe they take some guy in the seventh round who is just a burner and they're just gonna put him in a kick return. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be tough the way I mean his size, his speed. Uh, in the return game, yeah, you're a worse football team. But even even from a morale standpoint, he was like, yes, he was your pillar. He was your pillar of morale. He was your guy. You know, he was the he was the heart and soul of last year's team, and he was clearly a guy that went on. You know, he he was a, a driving force behind this team emotionally. You you talk so much about the culture. You talk so much about what you want to create in House Hall and bringing in the right players to do that. And you have a player who embodies that better than anybody, arguably better than anybody else. At least he does it more publicly. I can't say he does it better than anybody else because I know there's guys who do it silently. Kyle Fuller, Khalil Mack, those are two guys. This guy represented your culture. This guy was your culture. He actively showed his passion towards the organization. He actively showed his passion towards the franchise, his want to be here, his willingness to be here. That's exactly the guy you keep around. That's exactly the guy you re-sign for four more years because he's a good mentor to the younger guys. He's a guy who wants to be here, whose guy's going to play hard every single minute. He's going to set the tone in practice. He's got the work ethic. He is the representation of your team. He's who you want people to look up to and say, this guy represents the Chicago Bears because he works hard and he freaking cares. Those are the guys you bring around. I don't. I understand the money's an issue, and I and it's part of why I can't blame Ryan Pace completely for this decision because they're thirty second out of thirty two teams in cap space. You maybe couldn't have found a way to sign him for a lot of money because this guy's I think still a valuable player, but nonetheless, I mean. It's, it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating because we talk so much about culture and, and this is what Matt Nagy, you know, r- relies on. This is why people still want to give any little bit of hope they have towards Matt Nagy. It's because of the culture. Well, 
who cultivates that culture? Who fosters that culture? Because at this point, I don't think it's the Matt Nagy and coaching staff. I don't think it's any of them. I think it's with the players and it's up to the players. And if it fails by the players and it fails by the team, it's not run by the coach at this point. So I'm, so, I'm, so that's to, why to I'm that angry. Point, so who do you think established that cult? Like, who would you say established that culture in 2018? If the coaches didn't, and, and I don't disagree I, with you, I could totally see it. But who's the player you think that established that culture in 2018 before Cordell got there? Josh well, listen, Bellamy. Josh Bellamy. Yeah, you tell him. No, obviously that is a joke. Listen, Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. Listen, <laughs> Matt Nagy. So fast, I was not sure if that was. Real. He had to, he had to he had to wait a second to think about that. Um. Well, look, Matt Nagy set the culture in 2018. I'll give credit to it. He okay. set the culture and he set the foundation. But the past two years, it has been burned. Up. It has collapsed, and there have right. been. Rumors that the locker room has fallen apart. So now you turn to guys like Akeem Hicks. Now you turn to guys like Eddie Jackson. Now you turn to guys. I hope Allen Robinson is still wanting to be one of those guys because he has been in the past. Those are your team leaders that have to step up now and set that culture. And Cordell Patterson was one of those guys because this is a situation now where I don't, I don't know if Matt Nagy can come back in and recreate what happened in 2018. I mean, it's already too much to ask, but at this point, after the events that have transpired the past two years, I think it's nearly impossible. So when you lose a strong piece and a strong leader of the team, I, I think that has a trickle-down effect that's deeper than just X's and O's. That's my opinion. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I think also you're at a very dangerous point where you might be losing the second Another hard. I mean, if it seems like Akeem Hicks is safe, I don't want to get my. You know, yes, I don't want to jinx it. At this point. I don't want to jinx it. But I mean, I mean, he's basically the only. I mean, outside of him, who are you really picking to? You know, who who's the next guy that you would pick? Maybe like maybe Eddie Jackson if he's playing yeah. well. That, that's maybe, well. Maybe. Yeah. That's if he's playing well. If he has a year like last year, he's just gonna he's gonna sit on the like he's gonna be well, take a back seat. It's Khalil yeah. too, though. I mean, uh, uh, real quick. He's Chris, never been I mean, a vocal guy, though. Right. Well, he's never been. He's never been public about it. He doesn't do press conferences. He doesn't. Uh, he's not Wait, on I'm, social I'm media. Saying, he's not okay, public okay. about it. But in practice, I mean, people say good things about his leadership. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, I like. I was just gonna say Eddie Jackson. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to think. I mean, like Roquan isn't really vocal. Like I, I don't know. Would you say Roquan's vocal? Nah. Well, to, to Kevin's point, th there might be guys in the locker room who we're not seeing be vocal. Or, yeah, you know, who would to the players and in the locker room they might be more of a, you know, driving, a driving force, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just the morale overall. We just, we just stop. I mean, it's actually, actually. You know, no. with the, with, I, okay, we, actually, we, yeah. we've heard, yeah, we've heard him behind closed doors. Like, we've heard people say, like, yeah, he's great to talk to, like, in the locker room. Like, he's an awesome guy. Taylor, so actually, I don't hate that as a pick because he's not the, you know, he's fine being the backup. He's that guy that's kind of there. It sounds like everywhere he's gone has been like that. Hey, like, that, that supportive guy who's got your back. You know, he, yeah. you know, you're not, you're I'm not picking him first to like go, go in a fight with, with you. Like, you're not being like, hey, you know, I, I, you're not you're not taking him to war with you, but it sounds like he's like one of those guys you want to. You know, he's going to be there in your ear, be like, "Hey, we got this." You know, so I, I actually don't hate that. I know that was said as a joke, but I mean, I don't hate that. Um, to close it out, I want to I want to circle back to the draft real quick. Lawrence and Wilson are going one two. So out of the last three, how how do you rank those guys? I know. Well, Kevin, I know what Kevin's going to say, but uh, and probably don't. 
Yes, oh. I do. You're going to go feel. Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. Why is, why is Lawrence feel- Wilson one, too? Who said I want to put – yeah, who said I want to do that? Because yeah, we who know, said I want to do that? Because we know they're going first and second. We but know that's, that's, that's not my second. rankings, though. What Are, are we doing our top five rankings? No, but I know – but, like, what's the point of doing those – including them, too, when we know they're what going What if the Jets take too? Justin Fields? That's just not happening. <laughs> I that's just not so happening, dude. I wouldn't be so surprised. That's oh all my god! All I right. mean, your your bat phone directly to the owners of the Jets has been ringing, or like, what? Do you have breaking news to share? I'm Urban Meyer on speed dial, you know? Oh, not Urban Meyer, freak. Uh, Robert <laughs> Sala. Robert Sala. Here? Robert Sala. Sorry, wrong coach. This man Robert even Sala. Know coach is talking. Robert to. Sala. Stop it. That, up, that's Robert? just Kevin sources. That's just Kevin sources. The phone is ringing off the hook so much. Oh, dude, it is, he, dude. He, dude, he's Kevin Gates, 2014 hit single two phones. Like he just can't. Oh. He's everywhere. He's got. Imagine. <laughs> what an outrageous! What an outrageous thing to say. <laughs> that. that <laughs> Relax. I. Hey. Oh, where? Come on. You've slipped up a number of times in the past. Look at Buckeye fan 37. The Jets love drafting busts, so they'll definitely. Kevin, take is this your burner? I, I, it might be. It might. I, I don't have to expose myself. Chris, give me your top three. Sure, We're off the rails cool. here. What, who do right. you got? I'm going off, off Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones, right? Yes. I'm going Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones. <laughs> Obviously. There should be no debate about this. Yeah. There should be no and conversation. Way, I just want to say I'm with Kevin. I think Justin Fields is better than Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm in that boat. I'm in that boat. I'm not getting off. I've been riding the Justin Fields train since he was in high school. Justin Fields. It's Justin Fields. It, it is so weird how quickly that changed. Like, it, it is such a wild, like, I, I think it just is. One a- throw, Jake. It was one throw that changed it. This man made one throw at Pro Day, and people lost their fucking minds. I, don't know. I think people. I think people were saying. I, I think there were people saying Wilson was going to go over Fields prior. Prior to. I, I don't think it was as it like. I don't think it was as prevalent as it is now. But there were people like saying that the Jets liked. Was where's Ian Book on my list? Ian Book is last. The third. He's not last, but Ian Book. Yes, he I is. Mean, I mean, he's behind Mills. He's behind Mond. He's behind Trask. So he's seven, eight. I mean, you're. Yeah. If, if you're if you're waiting, Ian Book, you're not taking till the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, and, and if you're waiting till then to draft a quarterback, then the whole then your whole system is flawed. Throw throw the next five years in the garbage can because it, could Ian Book be something? Sure, but this uh. the, the where this team is at currently, they cannot afford to wait that long. Like they have to take one of these top if they don't get one of the top. Four guys, they have to they have to get Mond or Mills or Trask if they don't get one of these first round quarterbacks because they I mean they can't wait for somebody like that they they can't take a flyer they need yeah. to get somebody who they, who they, a top second round quarterback sure Ian Book Ian Book was on a good Notre Dame team yes Notre Dame was a good team they got exposed in the playoffs you know to better teams that went because they lost yeah they lost to Ohio State right. Alabama, no, I think. Alabama, yeah. So he lost to the championship team. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just he's not going to be a, a guy you take before the fourth or fifth round. And Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy aren't going to wait that long. That's just not a thing that's going to happen. Um, okay. Wait, real quick, real quick, very right, quick. You got, you got 30 seconds. All right. Is Matt Nagy being at Justin Fields Pro Day 
important? Yes or no? Quick. You would hope so. No, no. Because the 49ers are going to take him at three. That's the only reason why I say no. I mean, it's important that he's there, but it's not going to amount to anything. That's all I'll okay. say. Fair enough. Fair okay. Enough. I, I would hope it shows a genuine interest would be my answer. Like you, you would hope so. Well, I'd but... hope so. Right. Um, they didn't okay. attend Mitch Trubisky's pro day, by the way. Fair. Fair. All right. That concludes another Bears Nation podcast episode. Thank you to Adam Hogue. He is the man. Thank you for coming on, Adam. Really appreciate it. Go buy Hogue and John's merch. Support charities. Support good causes. We love that stuff. Um, we will be back this time next week. Maybe we'll do a mock draft. Maybe we won't. I don't know. We never have a plan ahead of time. We'll figure it out over the weekend probably. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, we appreciate you, the listeners, the commenters. We always love you guys coming around and throwing your comments in here and giving us something to talk about. We will be back next week, 8 o'clock. Right? Yeah, 8 central time. Myself, Chris, Kevin, we'll be back. Mock drafts, maybe. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Again, shout out to Adam Hogan. And bear down. Bear down, always.